Welcome back, everyone. We are live for another week of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined, as always, by an amazing panel. I'll pass it over first, like usual, to Spartan Grown. Welcome back. Thanks, Jack. Happy to be here. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Spartan Grown. You can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And uh, if you can't get me there or you don't have an Instagram, you can shoot me an email at spartangrown at gmail.com. I'm also working on a website. I've purchased it. I own it, but I'm not doing shit with it yet. I do own spartangrown.com. <laughs> Put down the flag, make that landmark on the internet so you can, uh, no one will come steal it and try and sell it to you for a lot more money than you want to pay. So good for you. Exactly. But uh, dang, I just clicked over the live chat and there's already like a bunch of people here. So good to see everybody. I used to for a while have to like type the first message in the chat before it would let anybody else comment or else there'd be like errors and things. And I saw that in other people's shows and things as well. But I want to give it uh, over to Dr. MJ next. Welcome. Welcome, Jack. Thanks for having us back again this week. And welcome to everybody. Grow or love, everyone. I'm Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Um, we got a our first big giveaway in the New Year's Grow Challenge is tonight. So if you guys are in the New Year's Grow Challenge, be sure to come on over to the, the chat room after this. And we're going to have a drawing and a watch party for the first Photon Tech Light we're giving away. We're giving away another one next week, too. So if you're not in the New Year's Grow Challenge, you can still sign up for that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. I'm going to have to bail a little bit early on you guys tonight, but I'll be here for the first part. That's all right. It's a good time to tease that at the one hour mark when uh, some of the guys jump out, we will send that Zoom link out to the chat. And if you want to jump in and show off your garden or ask questions like live on the actual panel, we'd be happy to have some people come up later when that happens. But next up, we have Matthew Gates. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist and I'm really excited because I just had a really fantastic uh, interview video with uh, Chris, uh, Mr. Grow It. So if you want to check out some um, really concise uh, conversational topics about various pests that are common in uh, plants in general, but also cannabis, you check that out. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, Xenthanol, where I put a lot of my educational content and also my Instagram at SyncAngel if you're interested in that. And if you have professional inquiries, you can find me at xenthanol.com. I was just holding off the mute there because I have a train riding by there and uh, just let the whistle stop blowing. But uh, happy to have you back. And Mr. Grow It, he's been in it for a while. So uh, cool to see you doing some uh, more sharing of your good information to other you know uh, communities out there because I know he's got a lot of people listening and watching his stuff. So it's uh, cool to see you spreading out and showing off all that good information about IPM. So I'm very happy to see you continuing to make lots of collaborations happen. Uh, next up, we've got Brandon Rust. Who is stuck on mute apparently, but uh, we've still got him here. Oh, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying uh, the good old sounds of the Amtrak cruising down the 101. Um, yeah, I'm Brandon Rust, owner of Bokashi Earthworks. Uh, Check out my website, www.bokashi earthworks. That's B O K A S H I earthworks, all one word.com. And uh, yeah, I'm having 50% off on all the microbe spores right now. So you can get things like Bouveria bassiana, you can get Bacillus thuringiensis, you can get a couple of different species of, of Bacillus. There's Trichoderma on there. And there's even the uh, microbe plus spore. So if you wanted to make your own microbe plus, you could do that at home and have five gallons. Um, 
And it's a really great deal, especially uh, for the biocontrol stuff. That Bavaria bassiana works really, really effectively. Um, one of the things that I consistently use in my garden. So go ahead and check that out. Glad to be here. Glad, as always, with the rest of the panel member all members. I'll also be leaving at 7 tonight. We're happy you can make it for the first hour, and I'm happy to see you again. Noah the Groa, welcome back. Hope you're feeling a little bit better this week. I'm still learning the weather, but I'm here. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to jump out a little early myself. But uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Groa with two E's on Instagram. You can find me there. I've been growing for almost 12 years and uh, actively growing the whole time. I've had a great time doing it. and Always have a blast here with all you guys, and I learn a lot. So, And that deal that Brandon Russ talking about his, his website, man, I'm checking that out. That sounds awesome. I'm a big fan of the Micro Plus and uh, Bavaria Bassianis is great stuff as well. And I know you kind of want to get good volume because you're reapplying it like every four days if you're doing it properly from what I understand. So it's uh, great from the effectiveness standpoint, but I want to last and certainly not least allow the American one to introduce himself. Welcome back, Tao. Hello, Jack, panel, and everyone in chat. I'm the American one on the YouTube and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. It's always good to be here, and I'm excited to uh, chat it up tonight. And, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. One of my uh, faithful DM back and forth people who, like, I, I won't share their name because they're in a red state or whatever, just harvested some Amy Aces, and they're speaking highly of it in my DM. So they're very happy with it, and their friends around there as well. Were. So I wanted to say cheers to you again, Tao, because – Lots of good feedback coming from that Amy Aces. So happy to see people having great results with it continually. I am very happy about it all. I'm glad everybody's enjoying it as much as I do. And yeah, I have more beans. If anybody wants is interested, hit me up in the DMs. The beauty of sharing. But uh, I did label this episode answering chat questions. So people, if you do have questions, make sure to tag us in the chat. We'll try to get to as many of them as possible. And like we mentioned earlier, at the one hour mark, if you weren't here earlier when I said it, we're going to send the Zoom link out for anybody who wants to jump in and show off their garden or ask questions live on the panel. With that said, uh, the American one, I think you actually did say you had a question before the show. That might be a nice little topic to start off with before we get some uh, questions coming in from the chat. Yeah, it was actually last week, uh, someone in the DMs that follows the show was asking me if there's any way with regular seeds you could spot, uh, you know, whether it's a female or a male just from the seed. And I know we talked about it once before, and I told them I don't believe so, but we want to go down the rabbit hole. I, I, uh, we, could, we could talk about it. I don't think there's any way other than, um, like, destroying the seed and doing a genetic test, but, you know... I would agree with you because I've done the, uh, oh, look at the bottom and does it look like a volcano or the little circle or whatever shape? Like right. every single time that I pop regular seeds, every single time I try to pick only the female looking ones. And it turns right. out roughly 50-50 every time, like about 50-50. Yeah. I just bought some more Farmer Freeman tests so I could test them at like a week old versus vetching them out. I know we've had that conversation a little in the past, but I I'm agreeing with you that I do, don't, I do think that it's impossible to uh, tell before popping them as far yeah. as I'm aware. Yeah, I don't know. I, I totally examples. agree that it's it's not possible to tell. And if it were, we would all be doing that. It wouldn't be like some sort of big kept secret. There would be no market for feminized seeds because it would be easy to distinguish the, the females from the males. There would be no companies springing up to offer genetic testing. I, like all of that just wouldn't be a thing. And it is a thing because it's not possible to tell the the gender, the sex of the 
the seed just by looking at it. Um, it's not even tell, able to tell by looking at the little seedling that's growing. You can't have that tested. Um, but if you want visual confirmation, you have to have the plant go in and start producing its reproductive organs. And on a related note, I think it's very important for us to, um, to also state that, you know, the whole reason, again, the whole reason genetic testing works is because that's already decided when it, the, the seed is created. So any environmental factors or stresses or I've heard it all and we brought it up before the show too. Um, there's a lot of tall tales about uh, how you can affect um, the sex of the plant. Like, oh, if you have really hot conditions, you can get more females. No, none of that is true. It's already determined. Yeah, and it would be really cool if, if there was something like that. I mean, there's a lot of things, I think, we were talking about like the magical sort of mystical thinking. And, and frankly, cannabis is a mystical plant. But in a lot of ways, it, it's very much like other plants in terms of like how it grows and reproduces and stuff like that. Some of the stuff that it, it produces is is absolutely magical, but the rest is kind of biology and botany and stuff like that. But Doc, I read online somewhere that if you put a banana in your seedling tray, that the ethylene will make all of them female. So I'm going to throw a banana in there and they're all going to be ladies. The well, if it was a it. random source on the internet, uh, that, that's obviously true. So yeah. that's, that makes sense. Why would they go and tell lies on the internet? That's very rude, you know? <laughs> I know, right? We have no, a question so it, it would be great if that was the case. It would be great if a lot of things that we would like to sort of believe are the case. But, you know, it, it's pretty cool the way it works anyways. And it's I guess better that you don't have to blame yourself for screwing up when you end up with males because there wasn't much you could have done to avoid that that is true and smiley's garden says um brandon any recommendation on applying bavaria bassiana like amount per gallon or anything uh not to mix with it is there a surfactant needed for bavaria bassiana the, the vials that I have, they treat 100 liters of water, approximately 25 gallons of water. And you can use that as a spray or you can, you know, weigh out a tenth of the vial and a tenth of the vial will do 10 liters, right? Or about two and a half gallons. So it's, uh, it's that's what I do as an approximation, but typically I'm doing uh, five I mean, I'm doing a 50 gallon uh, res when I'm watering it in. So I'll dump in two vials and I do a drench with it and I'll use a uh, Pyganic as well. So I'll add my Pyganic. soil drench or are you spraying your plant? Yeah, soil drench. So soil I'll drench. do bi-weekly part of my um, SOP for IPM is going to be the Bavaria Bassiana and Pyganic 4.0 or 5.0 as a soil drench and i'll do that every other week what does i'm not familiar with the pyganic product what is that matthew you want to chime in uh, sure it's a pyrethrin product oh that's why i'm not familiar we're not allowed to use those um the other question was is there anything that they should avoid when mixing bavaria bassiana and do you need a surfactant also i have an additional follow-up is um do you know, maybe not top of your head, but 
this like the spore count or the uh, inoculum count is it just spores too by the way yeah that's all it is there's no um there's no yeah there's no filler like uh, an inert ingredient so it's you're usually you know it's meant for larger applications you know with like your foiler spraying a you know an orchard or something where you need 100 liters of water or 200 liters of water um and uh i can't remember right off the top of my head with the spore count on it on all it's probably massive yeah like i i want to just say that um you know in other products for those who are curious why i asked that question of course it's got just spores in it right well no a lot of products actually um and this is not just for bavaria bassiana but like a lot of fungal products will like they'll give you this uh sort of uh funky um word or phrase like uh, inoculate inoculation material right and so spores in canidia are like you know the the typical thing that germinates right but sometimes they'll add like like i think it's like hyphal structures or, or something other than than those uh things that i'm talking about the spores and such and uh i feel like that makes for a lower quality product generally you want to get like the actual thing that's going to grow into a fungus you know what I mean? So that's why I asked. That's pretty cool, actually. Didn't I send some to you? I don't believe so, no. Oh, I thought I sent some to you. It might have been like over a year ago. I'll send some to you. You can check it out. Um, yeah, I'd love to. And so Spartan, um, I think that there's, to let everybody know too, there's two kind of variations between the pyrethrum products. There's a synthetically, there's a synthetic version and then there's a, a version that is it's an extraction from chrysanthemum flower like basically yeah we can't use any pyrethrum it's banned in michigan yeah there's like pyrethrin and then there's like permethrin and the oh. permethrin is a synthetic compound and pyrethrin is not but breath but it doesn't really matter yeah i'm also familiar that legislatively there are places that just don't allow for either one of those two things oh. is california also a ban because i feel like at least one of them is banned the the synthetic is banned here right what is and isn't banned seems to change on the reg. So, <laughs> but um, crazy state uh, living. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think that uh, my understanding of California in particular, uh, oh, that's another thing. We talked about this, I think, last uh, session, actually, the session before, but piperinol butoxide or PBO. Yeah. Um, that's- yeah, that's an enhancer that uh, I think California is not a big fan of. but in the past people have used products that lack this enhancer um and seemingly this is fine so i i just wanted to you know clarify too what i'm using is the organic pesticide as opposed to the synthetically derived and it doesn't have any of the uh, chemical other chemicals it's just that alone they don't care the they're lawmakers they're not scientists and they're fucking they just make rules yeah yeah. so we got a question from anova who says jack what amendment other than lime can be used to increase soil ph okay yeah that's uh that's is that for me or yeah whoever wants to answer it i'll I'll kind of weigh in last before we go to the next question um so for my clients that i work with i recommend wolastonite which is calcium silica it is a mineral and it helps buffer pH. 
in the soil. It'll help raise pH depending on the amount you use. Uh, typically it's about, uh, uh, let's see, about 0.2 cups will raise the pH around, I think around uh, 0.2 ppm. If I remember, is there correctly. calcium in that? What What's in that? That uh... yeah, it's calcium and calcium silicate. Oh, okay. It's a calcium silica uh, mineral. It's like a a, a a fine powdered clay has the consistency of like flour, but it's a lot heavier. How does that and, differ than just straight up like lime or horticultural well, lime? Well, because different products have different things. You can use agricultural lime as well. That's the other go to. Uh, but you don't want to use something like dolomite lime, right? Okay. Because dolomite lime has a ton of magnesium. And if you go and throw that in, what usually happens is that magnesium is a lot more soluble than the calcium. And then it throws off your, ba your base saturation. Base saturation, again, is your, your major soil cations, your magnesium, your calcium, your potassium, and, and sodium, right? And if they're not in the right uh, like type of percentage, then you'll start seeing deficiencies and things don't work properly. Anybody else have thoughts on inputs for uh, raising pH organically in soil? Other than lime was the question from Anova. Gypsum will, help, will raise the pH slightly, but also as it, it barely, because it also has yeah. that sulfur in it. Um, It'll might have a slight, slight impact. I know it depends where you're starting, right? Too, because like if it's extremely low, gypsum will raise it a yeah. little bit more. But if it's like already at a good place, it'll probably not do too much. Exactly. Yeah, because and it's also pretty balanced with that sulfate. So, um, and then also I know that oyster shell can have some pH. It's very low. Um, and I, but the thing is with that is I, I wouldn't personally recommend it because it's an ocean input and anything that's associated with the ocean usually has heavy metals. It usually has sodium. It usually has chloride. And those are all things that I don't want in my system. So I kind of tend to stay away from those things. Yeah, I think, um, the only other thing I have to, it's always, it's always been just some kind of a calcium, like a lime or something, but I would be, what my mind is thinking of more is why is my, or why is yours? But in my head, I'd be thinking, why is my soil block going acidic? And the only thing I can think of organically is if you're using heavy peat, if you're using a lot of peat, when that stuff breaks down, it tends to go acidic. Um, so I would at least in the future, look for more things to blend with your mix. Um, I'm not saying not to use peat, but I'm saying to use less of it. And so maybe, maybe do a little bit of cocoa, you know, a 10% cocoa in there or something. Um, there's a many, there's lots of different things you can use, but uh, try not to go so peat heavy and that might help you in the future. But it, it's yeah, not, really, it. it's, it's also going to be because of that biology, right? If you have good biology, it's naturally going to decrease, uh, decrease because, the, en the enzymatic activity and the organic acids that are being produced in that soil are going to naturally acidify that soil. Doesn't it depend on the mic, like, I guess the type of microbes and the microbe group, because isn't it no. against their, like mm -hmm. certain ones like it at a certain pH, right? So if they're going to keep on driving it lower and lower, it's going to kill some of them off. Well, 
there's still going to be a wide range that are still going to produce enzymes and organic acids, and they're going to be sequestering carbon. And it, the, and the way that I, that I look at it is like this, when we're talking about the acidification, dropping the pH, we're releasing carbon from the organic matter. We're, you know, it's releasing, it's releasing minerals, cycling stuff. And what I typically see is that you can, you don't really need to add a whole lot um, to bring or maintain a, a pH if everything is balanced. Someone mentioned uh, having a potassium. If your potassium is high in your soil, that'll help balance it out because potassium naturally has a high pH. You know, so one thing that I'll do is I'll have two different types of potassium sulfate. I'll have a granular and I'll have a water soluble. So if I need to correct something, I'll use the, the water soluble. And then what's your water soluble? Main... Is that like potassium sulfate or something? Yeah, potassium sulfate. Um, and so you can maintain your balance using the water soluble and then have, um, you know, a certain amount as a top dress, as a granular form. And that will help keep the pH up as well because it's breaking down over time. It's a slow release because it hasn't been like micronized or it hasn't been pulverized. It's just, you know, the, it looks like gravel basically, you know, like little, yeah, yeah. Uh, potent Ponics said for raising pH using potassium silicate, calcium carbonate, magnesium carbonate, potassium bicarbonate, or calcium silicate are some options, at least that they threw out there in the chat that I figured I wanted to include. I'm with the rest of the guys on the panel kind of said, trying to get things as balanced as you can. And uh, that typically will help you. And lime is actually part of like my base mix, but there are other things that slightly adjust the soil. And when you're re-amending, um, I think if you get a good healthy balance of everything, it usually comes in roughly about where it needs to be. But if it gets, gets more acidic, like Spartan said, maybe try adding some cocoa. Um, I'm not sure if vermiculite would be any better than um, peat at not getting acidified, but I know that that's also part of like the M3 mix and it also provides silica. So it might be something to consider as part of the soil mix there. But yeah, I, really, I definitely really like pumice. That's my favorite. That's pumice, my favorite yeah. for the aeration. Yeah. Aeration. I love pumice and, and rice hulls are my go-to for that for sure. Um, we've got lots of questions though. So I want to kind of, I guess, keep moving. That was somebody asked, are we talking about uh, dolomitic lime or something else earlier? Um, but we were actually answering Anova's question, what amendment other than lime can be used to increase pH in soil? But vegan queso, that's an interesting question. It's a little bit more broad. So I guess I'll pass it to every panelist and just get their input on it. Uh, starting with Noah the Groa first for this one. Vegan Queso says, I'm interested to know what types of changes our seasoned growers have made in their gardens in the past year for better or worse. Noah. Uh, well, I've made a lot of changes. I uh, completely switched my entire regimen up that I've uh, been using forever and uh, started using uh like BioBiz, I used, um, I'm using different soil now. I've always used uh, Ocean Forest. I've used Happy Frog and, you know, different ones, ProMix, but I was using a uh, Bio365 soil. Um, I've obviously switching some of my strains. I've been kind of experimenting with different pot size. I've been experimenting with a bunch of different things, but those are the main ones that I've done. That's a good, concise little uh, bit of feedback for the last year. I've actually observed some of those changes in your garden. It's cool to see. 
So I'm uh, happy to hear that you're actually not like hating life. Some people think they're going to like be tearing their hair out, like when they change something and it's going to be like so difficult. Sometimes it comes with a lot of challenges, no doubt. It, but, uh, it, it has. And I, and I am, tearing my hair out. but I'm starting to, it's turning a corner, but uh, it's just, I'm not as confident. You know what I mean? Like before, like I could just knew what I was doing and I knew what I need to adjust. And now it, the adjustments are a little harder when you're kind of starting from scratch. So. Yeah. You're learning a whole new world. It's uh, definitely a learning curve with, with any adjustment of switching from one cultivation method to another, in my opinion. Uh, but I think it makes you ultimately a more knowledgeable grower overall, because you have an idea of how the plant can work in different media. So it's a valuable experience, no doubt. I'll pass it over next to Spartan before he takes a big old rip and ask uh, the same question to you. <laughs> and I'll, I'll reread it, I guess, because I'm already... I remember it. Oh, okay, changed, good. What changes have I made in my garden? Yeah, so actually it's recently. So it was a change because of a fuck up. So I put a new... Fl- I think I... Have I talked about this on the show, how I put my light on the, a flower the cycle? Yeah, yes, it, it okay. flowered out your whole veg. So flower out my veg. So I have a flower room with no plants right now because they're revegging. So... I took the time and the liberty actually just recently, as in the last couple of days, I've been finishing it up and uh, took the time to just take down the dinosaurs. And what I mean by that is I took every fucking thing down and there's been, you know, countless changes in the life of that room where it's easier just to leave some of the stuff there than to uh, take it all down. And what I mean by stuff is like a hook in the wall or something like that. So I went through and took down every fucking hook and every fucking screw in uh, eyelet that I put in. And then I put up new panda film. And, uh, you know, the next step is I'm going to just clean it up real good. But I pulled out carbon filter. It's a sealed room. I don't don't even run a carbon filter, but it was sitting in there still. So, you know, I just pulled all this shit out. And now I've got this gigantic grow room. Didn't even realize and then I resituated the lights um, because I shut down a bunch of lights and I'm only going to need one at first and then I'll have two. I just put two down the middle of the entire big room. It's not, I mean, it's some people would consider it big. Some people would consider it really tiny, but for me, it's a big room now. I can, so I got two, two lights right in the center next to each other. So it'll be a four by eight and I'll be able to walk all around all three edges except for one end will be on a wall but everything else will be me to be able to work around so i'll be able to get around every fucking plant i'm super stoked about that that's it that was my change i'm still working on it and <laughs> hey, that's good man it's nice to go through and fix up some of those things that have been lingering that you've just been like yeah i'll get to that later and later finally came for you and you took care of all the business so now it's probably looking a lot cleaner and i'm sure you're even happier to go into the grow space and everything's kind of feeling fresh even though there was a little mistake there with flipping everything to flower and having to reveg it seems like you took advantage and uh didn't let it hold you back you're kind of pushing through it and yeah, persevering made, that's what you got to do as a grower is not let make those a positive out of it man there's always a positive you had you just got even if it's you just learning a lesson there's always a positive and you got to focus on that because focus on negative is going to make you quit that's, that. the, that's the lesson right there is because if you do focus on the negative, so much shit can go wrong. And if you get bent out of shape easily, growing really might not be for you, or you just have to learn to be more Spartan-like in that you have to just go with the flow and shit happens and learn to adjust and, and make it into a positive. You know, oh, maybe you fucked something up or maybe something uncontrollable happened, but how can you best respond to that? So it's definitely a good thing to think about. I'll pass it over next to Dr. MJ. Um, same question from Vegan Queso interested to see what types of changes you've made over the last year for better or for worse yeah no it's interesting question i changed quite a bit i moved over the summer so 
I I skipped tuned grows that I normally would have done the the spring auto flower challenge go and um wait was it just the spring oh and then I was very late for the the plant training grow challenge um so I just finished I just harvested on Friday night the first two plants that I grew after my move uh, I just set up my my two by four tent. Um, and I never got around to setting up my auto watering system. So this was the first grow in years that I ran with hand watering the damn plants the whole way through, um, which was an adventure. I think that was a change, not for the better. Um, <laughs> it was much more sort of chores related to that. And now I've got a new watering system that I'm going to install for the next grow and sort of go radically in the other direction. This thing's going to measure my runoff and make sure that and tune the amount that it delivers to each plant for each watering based on the amount of runoff from the previous watering. So it's going to go from like total me doing everything to me not doing much other than keeping the tanks full. I think that's going to be a good change. Um, on this grow, I just did something that I think I'm going to keep doing, which is uh, hitting my germinating uh, little sprouts and early seedlings with far red light. Um, I was really sort of surprised by how much I got those little sprouts to grow overnight by turning them on with a bunch of uh, 660 and 730 nanometer light. I have a little sample board that I was hitting them with. Um, so that was interesting and sort of seeing some things, paying a lot of attention to those early growth stages. And I think I'll keep playing around with different ideas about light. Um, I'm setting up my four by four tent again now. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying sort of the process. I have four plants for the NYGC growing right now, and they're going to go into the four by four in a few days. Good stuff. It sounds like a, a good new year ahead and you've had a pretty uh, good time so far. So I'm definitely happy to see you back growing and we're a lot closer now. So we definitely have to link up. Um, yeah, yeah, we should. Both being in. Should, the, somebody just asked in chat and it is a grow tech system, um, the watering system. I'm going to be testing it out, hopefully doing a video if it, if it pans out. And I've already given a bunch of feedback to uh, DJ, the guy that's, that's running that company. It's cool. So um haven't set it up yet though but the plants are about to get into their final containers and that'll be fun so do you have a new appreciation or lack of appreciation for the hand waterers out there in cocoa who are nuts and just trying to get to it as much as they can every day maybe once, yeah well i mean it was i did two times a day for irrigation for what four months plus uh four and a half months um like every damn day so yeah, I have sympathy. It's hard. If you're on if you're hand watering plants and you're only watering once a day, or if you're watering only once every few days, I get it. I mean, that's not that big a deal. And if you forget, or if you're a few hours late or something, it's not the end of the world. But um, I try to keep my plants on a pretty strict schedule, which when I gotta be there every damn time means that I gotta be on a strict schedule. And daylight savings time sort of affected that schedule because I had to keep the plants on the same schedule. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, I have sympathy for that. I understand the desire to set up an automatic watering system if you're going to grow like this. And I also understand sort of the daunting task when people, new growers first approach the, the idea of high frequency fertigation, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know how long I would be able to stick with it if I didn't have a pump doing a lot of the work for me. Hey, at least you're realistic with yourself and you know what gets you the best performance. So, I mean, it makes sense to use the system. The system is a solution. That's something my dad used to always say. And it sounds like that's a good system for you. And many other people have had success with similar uh, setups. I check out Coco for Cannabis and see a lot of people using um, several times a day high yeah. frequency fertigation with auto watering systems that they've either made themselves or bought little kits and rigged them up. So yeah, it's clearly I'm really excited about this grow tech thing because it'll limit the runoff and you can, you can set how much runoff it, it delivers. It's kind of a complicated system. I'm hoping we can simplify it, but um, that's always been the concern is that it, it provides opportunities for rampant overwatering and waste basically in a system like, like, um, I run with high frequency fertigation in fairly small containers with cocoa perlite. The only real risk of overwatering is you're just wasting a lot of stuff. And I, I, I don't like that. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how good of a job a system like this can do in, in helping people cut down on that. Um, it's a good opportunity to just let everybody know you need runoff, but you don't need a lot. You probably need less than you're already getting. So um, cool good update and it sounds like a cool piece of tech and i'm happy that anything even if we're like small cultivators they can make even that much more frugal with like your inputs and, and water especially being an extremely important one many would argue um is awesome so cheers to that and i want to pass it next over to brandon rust and ask you the same question basically have you made any, made any changes in the last year and um how have they worked out for better or for worse um in the last year i haven't been doing anything real differently um but i am setting up my new spot with a bunch of new led lights <clears throat> that like fos sent me like eight lights they sent me four of their thousand watt eight bar lights and then they sent me eight of their uh aquarius i think it is which are like a 640 watt and those things are solid. Which is yes. that area does that cover that thousand water? Holy shit. Um, Do they have a 1500 water Spartan? Jesus Christ. What, That's yeah, the one that they're really, pulling the seven pounds per light with or whatever. Yeah, you're hanging really high. Yeah. So it's a commercial setups where they ha have them like all the way up on the ceiling. And this group called the Grove in Las Vegas, where it's all, you know, they have to like you guys weigh everything and everything's pretty heavily regulated. They went from like six pounds to like seven pounds per light. And it's a little over two grams per watt if you calculate it out. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Just tell me for why. Who cares about light when you're fucking putting 15? Yeah, I know, lights. I know. Jesus, that's like three lights. It, that's uh, why at first people were really freaking out about it. But it seems so, to me like they so actually, this company does a great job. They send people out to the people's grow and like they take laser temperatures of like the thing and they're like, hey, you're running it too cold or too hot. And you have to do this and do that to get the best performance out of LEDs if you switch from. So right. they actually are a lot more hands on than many manufacturers. I'll at least give them well, that credit because I've seen that from a few different grows that started using on. them say like, hey, we've gotten this consulting when we got the lights, they come out hands-on in person and really uh, do a good job of getting people yeah. a chance to be successful. Well, um, I feel like those 640 watt lights are just the most durable LED light that I've ever like, like got my hands on. And it's also cool because the fixture can rotate. So if you want to direct the light a little bit, like if they're spaced out and you want to get more overlap on the parts where the lights are like gapped you can you can do that and then also they they're you can change the spectrum on them 
And that is cool. you can that you can not only do the spectrum, but you can do the brightness on the spectrums. I had heard about that, but the resilience. They use uh, um, Samsung and Osram diodes too, for anybody who's interested, because those are like, I would say some of the top diode, like as far as inputs go for a light. I don't know what uh, drivers they're using, but I do know that they use Samsung and Osram. What sure. light? I'm sorry. I was like out to lunch. What light are you guys Fos- talking about? F-O-H-S-E. Oh, or like yes, FOSI, yeah. some people call it, but I think it's oh. pronounced FOS. Uh-huh. Yeah. Familiar. Okay. And so I'll never use the, the, those lights at a thousand watts. You know, they'll probably never go probably past half halfway well that's the other thing is that group that got that like whatever it was seven uh, pounds per light or whatever at the grove they only went up to like 80 or 90 percent and they dialed it up as they went through flower so they never used the 100 percent of the 1500 watts so it, it's interesting and you can go on youtube and watch pretty well documented grow um it's, it doesn't seem to me like there's I, I, in order to make I sense of these claims. numbers, I don't really even want the watts. I would want to know the PPF numbers, yeah, the, that's the usable PPF. How much? What's the efficiency of these fixtures? Yeah. What coverage area? What densities they're running at? Um, the idea that there's some sort of magical thing to a light, it's basically comes down to the PPFD density and the distribution of that density across the canopy. So yeah. some lights are better at it than others. Um, ceiling mounted lights in a large scale commercial array are, are absolutely going to give you the largest um, yields because you're capturing almost all of the photons that the fixture produces land on plant. Um, there's no reflection, they're landing on plant somewhere. So um, you, you kind of have to put a lot of these numbers into perspective, but just talking about like pounds per light, I agree with Spartan there. We don't know how much the lights are and even per watt, we then need to know more about it. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't use those parameters to gauge. Uh, I look at square footage of canopy gram, grams per square foot. That's how I measure yield. They give that too. It's pretty high. I think it was like, almost, yeah, it was like 90 or something. Well, it depends on whether you're trying to evaluate the efficiency of your overall grow operation or if you're trying to evaluate the efficiency of a light or if you're val- trying to evaluate the efficiency of your electrical use or sure. sort of what, yeah. how you're going to analyze well, these here, numbers and well, what numbers you pay attention to. Here, what would you call square here's footage? A per- uh, what's All of that, the grow space in, in the room? All the, yeah, basically the efficiency of the grow space. So like, like the room's yeah, 100 by abstract, right? Yeah. yeah l- l- let's just say it's 1,000 square feet or whatever it is, and they pulled, I don't know, 90 grams per square foot, whatever it was. It's very well documented. I was, I went in a skeptic. I tried to like tear apart, you know, these claims. And from what I've seen, they're very open and honest. They'll answer all the questions. They show all the shit on video. They have the grows documented. It's not like they've done it like once it's, they've done it a few times in a row. So I, I do think, but like you said earlier, I'd like to know the PPFD and see underneath like one of your tests or a micro test and actually see how it performs. But on on top of that, their customer service alone, I think is over the top on compared to any other grow light manufacturer i've are, seen are they sponsoring recently. the show now too that's they're not they're not for me we're really kind of doing like, that i was surprised I just, when i looked wait, into wait. it because a lot of people shit on this company for a long time because a lot of people are actually sponsored by other things like if you watch grandmaster level show they're sponsored by hlg he has a whole entire grow facility full of them and brandon man i, HLG I missed too. you guys so fucking much can i just say <laughs> <laughs> welcome back i was gonna say i missed aaron and it's it, it funny he popped up I had to and I was waiting. Tao, I told you I'd fucking is Tao here? I told He's you. Here. I'd fucking so, yeah. be here. Good to see you, Aaron, dude. dude you, you know what? Eights? 
I, I love them. They're so damn bright. I had to buy some, uh, method sevens. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm busy as hell. I shouldn't even be doing this, but God, I miss you guys. I really miss you guys. I just, I just walked to the top of the hill, jumped in my truck and I'm sitting in my truck and I just said, fuck it. I'm, I gotta talk. I gotta, I gotta hang out with you guys. So I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did, man. It's worth it. Middle Live of nowhere. From the snowy yeah. mountains of <laughs> the snow comes and then the wind blows it away. So oh. yeah, it's, I mean, it's been like 40 the other day, two days ago, it's 40 mile an hour winds with uh, 60 mile an hour gusts. And, um, yeah, you just, you stay inside. So I'm happy to be an indoor grower and, uh, yeah, I, there's so much that I could get to talking about, but I don't want to, I don't want to take the, the, the limelight for too long. I just wanted to say, it's really great to see you guys and, um, good to, good to be on the show tonight. Yeah. We were just talking about lights and, and claims, and I know you've got a new LED light, the Medicro, but you haven't had like a harvest yet under it. So I won't necessarily, uh, ask for a full. Uh, I'll say I had to turn it down. Um, I put them under, I, I doubled the square foot that they're supposed to be under. So I have them under like 12, I have 12 by 20 canopy right now. And I have three of those 1000 watt easy eights. And I had them at 1000 Watts for like four or five days. And I started to see this burn coming up that on already unhealthy plants. And so I, I, I knocked it down to 600 and they're, they've just been loving it. So not all, you know, and it's, these lights are 10 feet in the air. So they're not like sitting on the canopy. They're just up there pumping. And yeah, that's, I love that thanks. model. We have similar with fluent. They're not as quite as nice as what that sounds, but we have some fluents that are basically high base. We just, they're like fucking little, I don't know, glowing laser lights up there. And these uh, are so far out of the way. I mean, you could leave them on. You could leave them yeah. on if you wanted to just dim down and spray if you wanted to and not worry about the fucking spray. Even reaching yes. It. Yes, yeah. dude. Totally. That's that's part of it that I've realized is I'm, I'm rarely going to have to clean these these diodes. You know, they're going to stay so far away. Um, I don't bump my head on them. That's for sure. And it keeps and, the heat away from the plants. It doesn't have any heat at all. It's so fucking high up. <laughs> yeah. Yours are like yeah, a trust light. That's part like a single bar, right? Like a big, massive uh bar of light versus where he's got like the eight bars oh yeah well they, he's got way he's got way better yeah so all, this, we, all we have is just yeah. the, this wide and well i don't know about better but different right so this room is going to be basically a ceiling of light but there's like three inch gaps between the bars so it's like you know other than that it's like don't look up man it's just wild <laughs> and you know and i'm doing this <clears throat> the one thing that I, I'll say that I'm super proud of is I'm doing this bootstrap bottom, bottom to the top. You know, I don't even have a helper like 90 to 95% of the time that I'm working, I'm doing this by myself. So when you're that self-reliant, you've got to figure out ways to do stuff that you never even thought about. Like, I don't have really a buddy I can call to come, Hey, come help me hang this light. Nope. Get a ratchet strap, throw it around the rafter and, and get it up there yourself. So, you know, it's been a, a really exciting adventure. And um, and I have you guys to thank for a lot of stuff. I wanted to give Doc a shout out because really thanks to him, I, I, I went from putting together a grow that had a bunch of little lights like right over the canopy to um, a couple of less, much larger lights that are way up on the roof or on the ceiling rather. And, um, and it's going to vastly transform the quality of the cannabis because I, you know, as far as I know, it's highly dependent on the quantity of light and, 
you know, when you have 15,000 watts of light in a 600 square foot space, there's no ceiling, essentially. You can just keep pushing it. So I'm, I look forward to doing some CO2 experiments and all kinds of fun stuff. That's cool, Aaron. I'm really, I'm stoked to see your plants start growing underneath it in that room. That's going to be a cool setup. Oh yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. We're all stoked for you. It's uh, good to see you putting in the work. It's I'd rather be busy and uh, tired and not have time than be twiddling my thumbs, not able to do shit, you know? So I'm glad to see that you're out there uh, putting in that work and, and building something that you've wanted to do for a while and uh, for your family, you know, it's a, a great thing. Ultimately, long-term Thank it's going to pay off for sure. Thank you guys. And, and yeah, it's just good to see you. So um, I don't want to take the, the, the spotlight for too long. You guys were talking about lights and the question you know, was, yeah. what is the heavy changed over the last year? And Brandon was answering by saying he had recently gotten one of these FOS lights. And I kind of just went into, cause everything I'd heard up till maybe a, a few months ago was pretty negative about the light. Cause it had pretty big claims, but then the more I looked into it, there are like a few uh, big grows out there that I actually have respect for that I think are showing that it, does well i'm not saying it's like unique in that i think that there's a ton of lights out there that will do well uh, yeah that's the point you have the right i mean definitely has the big swing and big swing and balls in the game you know what i mean they're just they're walking around trying to say that they got the best this and the best that and they might what is best? Um, but they're, I think it's they're the question. definitely trying to portray themselves as such. And in the corner, I just, you know, I just care. Like it's situational, what? right? And I, I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah, my I, attitude I just, is on this. I see grow lights trying to differentiate themselves in the market by making all sorts of like bizarre claims, and that they're the only light that does this, this, or the other thing, or that they grow more cannabis, or that they have other sort of magical things about them. Um, and like we we're talking about in the beginning about like the sex and the seeds, it, it's kind of preying on the cannabis growers it, it sort of ability to accept sort of those kind of magical ways of thinking about our cannabis plants too. Um, so if the light's talking about how it can be more efficient at putting out more light and distributing that light in a better way that leads to sort of optimized growth, that's one thing. If they start making fantastical claims about like they've figured out the secret spectrum or there's some secret ingredient in their lights that doesn't exist in any other lights, that part is that's just, not the claim. I mean, yeah, that's almost always marketing. So um, any other light really with the same distribution of photon density or those growers with other lights that delivered the same distribution of photon density, which should be able to have similar results. I agree. I'm it's more, just, I'm just more on the aspect of like what Brandon was saying. And it's like, man, if Brandon tells me he's running them and it works good in his system, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to yeah. give a fuck what everybody says. You know what I mean? That's what I want to say. Results. Uh, so look, like, what, I, what I see from it, I don't, I don't have any hate. I just but see Brandon's a good grower for a whole lot of reasons, not just <laughs> the light that he's using. Right. So this is like buying Michael Jordan's shoes. I mean, it's not going to yeah. turn you into Michael Jordan, <laughs> but you know, that's not what that movie well, said. It could help. I saw, I saw <laughs> a talk. These guys are talking about it, and pretty much, I think their major claim is that the um, penetration that their lights get, like their lights, are stupid, crazy bright, supposedly. But they, see, that's they the don't thing. make any crazy you're penetration gonna start claims. Talking to me about penetration, I'm going to call bullshit. That's not what they're claiming. Okay. I watched. I watched. What do they claim? No, so the, well, the claim is that they make 99 percent of their lights don't come back. 
because they are very well made. They make a quality yeah. light. They're not worried about them coming back. That's a good claim to make if you're a business. They stand behind the product. Agree. They're at Three Bros Grow, who is a very well-respected grower in the cannabis community who puts out all the information about the news, legal shit. Whenever there's an update, Three Bros Grow, Three Bros Grow, and it's a hard one to say. It's like a tongue twister. In California, is I think very well respected for a lot of good reasons. And they switched over to that lighting, and they've said we've been treated extremely well by them. Here is the customer service that we've been provided. It's been above and beyond anywhere else. They tested it across a few other LEDs, and they like this one the best. And yeah, I'm not, I haven't used it. Yeah, I'm just saying, so, if, if Brandon yeah, is so, using so them, look, like I, they, they've I, said the lights are way more powerful. And if you use them wrong, you're not going to get the results that you want. And and easy to say that. Yeah, I, those I are the hard time meter understand. too to, to but, judge but, by. That's how you're giving like a, a sliver of what they're saying. So like what they're saying about LEDs generally is, I think true. LEDs put out more light of their watt, and not just theirs, but all LEDs in general. So a lot of people say, "Hey, I got LEDs, and my plants get red stripes and issues." So what they're doing is they're telling people to start off dimmed. They're actually giving people the step-by-step walkthrough of, "Hey, this is a really powerful light. Don't fuck your plants up." Yeah, right. It's just and basic they're also good. Dope. that's good because I just good. fucked my plants up with too much light. So, hmm. you know, and that's from a no name company who's putting out these crazy high wattage lights. Um, so it's cool that they're putting that out. They don't even sell it to you or I. You have to go commercial if you want. You have to go through like grower tech or something. I think you can get individual lights, but they only do commercial and they do light plots. They actually it's more of like a, a business model. Yeah, I think if, if Medic Grow Fold 8 had the same customer service, they'd get the same exact results, because I think if you tested them, they're probably both around three, whatever micromoles per joule, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. It's the density of diodes on them. They're all using mostly the same diodes, Sam, Samsung and Osram lm301h or 301b whatever you want to call it um and then the reds are like the 660 nanometer whatever the best bin that you can get they're all packaging the same thing just slightly different way like hlg's new black they had the diablo for a little bit now they've got like scorpion stingray or whatever i can't whatever the black one's called people keep tagging me in giveaways (laughs) i never (laughs) participate i don't have enough room for that light but uh it's cool i mean i see people uh grandmaster level like i said earlier he's got a full commercial grow his first grow did all right his second grow looks like it's doing better and he'll probably pull some great numbers uh, i think he was maybe over two grams per watt or one gram per watt i can't remember what he claimed but he's um, no longer affiliated with yeah. hlg oh shit well, well I, I don't keep up to date clearly enough <laughs> so the so the thing is like i have the est tech i picked up some light from them and i replaced um i replaced six of the HLG 550s, which are 480 watts, with three of their 480 watt lights, and it's because I'm able to do the, I'm able to get a wider distribution of light with the EST tech. Is it um, bars versus like the uh, HLG has like the quantum board where it's more of like a yeah square, it's, it's a board, so you don't get it as wide of distribution of light, but you do with the HLG boards get a higher par reading. So, but I don't need to have, you know, 12, 11, 12, 1300 uh, PPFD at my canopy. You know, I think that's a little bit like too high um, for most situations. And so switching out something that is going to use less power, but still going to have that same efficiency where I'll have, you know, nine, uh, 900 to a thousand PPFD at the canopy with half the power usage. And then the same thing with the, uh, with the FOS lights, right. 
I have like a 640 watt light, the same, you know, I have three of those, but I have those turned down to 50% to where my PPFD, you know, all my little plants right now are about 300, 350, you know, so I'm, I'm monitoring the, the PPFD at canopy during the different stages of growth, as well as the temperature and RH to make sure those things are all targeted in a target range. I think I uh, just kind of want to touch on the HLG thing one more time, because I did see a post, uh, Boom Farms posted like a MMA guy kicking someone in the face and it was like, HL, uh, you know, comparing GML to the guy kicking HLG in the face or whatever. And the point that kind of was brought up gml was saying that they are making this claim that it's 3.2 micromoles per joule but then there's independent testing saying it was like 3.08 or 3.04 just slightly lower so i think what he wasn't necessarily taking into account maybe is like when doc does these tests there will be the advertised right and then there's the actual what reaches the canopy and there's always a slight difference right they always claim this is but those are two different styles of testing though so that's no, the difference. The between GML thing was different. They, the test that they supply in their website, GML sent a new fixture to the exact same testing facility and they came with two different results. Okay. There is definitely some product variability. I don't know how, how different the results were, but there is definitely some product variability. Um, and like, but yeah, you the, like the a heat difference up is that I just to address if- Jack's point, was, you know, a sphere test is going to capture every single photon that is produced by the fixture, redirect it back towards a sensor and count them all. Um, in a PAR test, some photons escape. And in a grow space, some photons escape or they get absorbed or they get lost as heat. Um, so we measure the amount of photons that actually arrive at their target, the canopy. Um, so because of that, we're not counting some of the photons that got lost. It's about 13 to 15% um, that the, the total PPF in a sphere test will be higher than the usable PPF, which is the number that you could actually expect to use in your grow. Good points. And I just wanted to um, make sure that everybody got a chance to jump in on that question uh, about the changes. And I'll jump in. I forgot One to of ask the best that. changes I've made over the past year was adding more room and more light so that's one thing but in a more uh defined thing i changed my aeration to pumice because i reused my soil and uh yeah that was the diminishing factor is we're just getting more and more compacted and less aerated and then i added started adding pumice and it definitely is helping out the situation in general so that i think is Pretty much the only changes, real changes I made recently, but it definitely helped. So I love pumice or pumice, whatever you want to call it. Somebody in the chat, I think it was Potent Ponics earlier, said you got to let it off gas if it's fresh. I don't know if I ever get pumice fresh enough to have to worry about it off gassing, but as an interesting mean, He means on its creation, I believe. <laughs> that's what I was assuming. So that's why I've never kind of addressed that personally as a grower, but. Um, Matthew, have you made any changes in the IPM world that uh, have been for better or for worse over the last year? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, you know, it's uh, it's sort of an answer to what you're asking. It's not directly IPM, but it's actually, this is actually the point. Uh, education. So um, the last the last year, I've, I've put a lot more effort into trying to um, 
sort of make uh, videos and other sorts of um, collaborations with people and uh, sort of share that information. A lot of it's just kind of like weird arcane. You know, we were talking about like how there's some sort of some levels of uh, mystical thought about some things with regards to cannabis and other other aspects of plant growth. Um, so some of this is kind of arcane, you know, like people just don't have access to information, uh, even empirical, you know, information, right? And uh, honestly, a lot of the subjects that are actually being sort of talked about, uh, you know, the hows and the whys can be very complicated for good reason. But intuitively, you know, a lot of it can actually be broken down. People can make use of it and, and even the sort of the complex stuff. Uh, so I've been putting a lot of effort into trying to make that more approachable. And um, certainly uh, I've been busy with clients and, um, and also sort of expanding other aspects of my, my own personal work. Uh, but that's a big one. And I think it's very important because it's uh, probably foundationally the most important that people actually get the information and receive it. <laughs> right. Obviously. Um, so for me, it, it's just been very important. I keep saying the word important a lot. <laughs> I guess that's the way, what it comes down to is I feel like I've been impassioned, you know, I have a, I have a, I feel like I have a bit of a reputation for sometimes being a little bit critical about things that maybe don't get a whole lot of oversight. At least that's my opinion. And um, for a lot of, a lot of people actually have contacted me personally and said they really appreciate that about me, which I, I do appreciate. I think it's a quality that is very important and professional in an industry like this where people don't have access to information. And then like you said, Dr. MJ, I really liked the words that you used that they prey on people who don't know certain things or have a certain bias and yeah, it might not actually be true. And I think that's really gross, basically. Um, I think it's not cool. And uh, I'm not even right all the time either. But, um, <laughs> you know, nobody's right all the time. Right. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I, I, uh, I, I'm not My afraid to is. like challenge something that I think doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So I think it's, I think it's just a professional obligation to couch at least some of the stuff, most of the stuff that I'm going to be re recommending to people with not just my personal experience, but like an explanation about how or why it works. Not only because that way people get, that I'm not just um, because I said so, <laughs> but also like a, because. Hmm? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, um, because, you know, not only is that just helpful for people to understand, but also because that's how it would be if we understood it. And also on top of that, some of this stuff about like plant health, like hormone signaling and the way that pests interact and even the way that like, uh, you know, beneficial fungi and bacteria interact with plants. Like um, there's some anthropomorphism anthropomorphism that we attribute to plants that kind of blinds us or doesn't allow us to like make the right choices we might we might think oh i'm just going to prime the immune system <laughs> well great good idea except for the fact that uh in some cases that can have deleterious effects uh for the plant and create crosstalk and other sorts of issues that we're just starting to understand the idea that you know pests and beneficials use the same pathways to interact is also like a way to support that anyways so that if that makes sense 
I want to give anybody, uh, I think it was Dr. MJ and uh, maybe Brandon who had to jump out at the one hour mark to uh, give final thoughts and shout outs. So first I'll pass it over to Doc. Hey guys. Yes. Lively conversation. Um, I'm sorry I have to go. I, I, I enjoy our shows. I will definitely be back next week. Um, I got a premiere tomorrow. I, I think it's going to be tomorrow. It should be tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'm doing a girly test of the Magobe 300, which is uh, three by three light. And I'll be giving it away during that premiere, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Um, Eastern tomorrow on my YouTube channel. Um, and we're doing a big uh, giveaway tonight and next Sunday in the New Year's Grow Challenge as well for a couple of photon tech lights. Um, so if you're not yet growing with us in the New Year's Grow Challenge, you should join. We are still time to join. Our plants are only a couple weeks old. And um, yeah, it's a fun show. Grow love to the rest of the panel. Grow love to everybody in the chat and everybody that's listening, following along. Um, I will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us, Doc. Doc. Good to see Have you. Good Doc. Doc. Thanks for everything. Uh, Noah, the grow, I see you've got your hand up. So I'll pass it over to you next. Yeah, uh, I'm going to jump out of here too. Um, I had a great time. Um, I'll be back next week as well. Um, I'm Melinda Grow on Instagram with two E's. You can find me there. And uh, everybody else have a great show. And I'll see you guys all next week. Thanks for joining, Noah, and feel better soon. Peace out, Noah, the Grower. Later, man. <laughs> see you, Noah, man. See you later. Later, Noah. Always good to have Noah. And uh, Matthew, the thing that I was going to say when I was cutting you off earlier was I just appreciate a lot of like scientists and engineers who kind of have like a show me the data approach to things and like in cannabis it's not quite possible just yet in some circumstances but i do like the uh, evidence-based approach like when you can even if it's not perfect like at least some people will speak from direct experience or what they've seen multiple times over and over and over um giving them some sort of baseline and credibility but i also want to pass it to brandon i believe that you also said you're going to jump out at the hour yes i have a gig tomorrow i got a do some stuff but on uh, next friday january 21st at gaiute's restaurant in oklahoma city we're having the Growcast meetup so if you're in oklahoma come join us in-house genetics will be out there uh, my buddy jake is flying out from california he is the guy that um i'm going to be distributing the uh liquid kiaha from and that'll be on bokashi earthworks uh, we're going to be doing a seed swap and smoke out and there's going to be a bunch of people there. So come join us for great food and people and um, growers love to everybody. It's always great to uh, be on the panel and you guys can check me out. I'll be posting a little more on this new setup and working on setting up my dispensary and all that other stuff. So I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Great, man. Always Peace looking forward to it. That's Best of luck to you, man, uh, and uh, we'll see you around. Link soon, Brandon. Have a good one, Brandon. Yes. Aaron, hit me up. You got my number. Yes, sir. All right, bye. Thank you, Brandon, for joining us. And um, I don't know if anybody else has to get going, but I did just post the Zoom link in the chat. It's under the Cheap Home Grow. It says link to join panel live. And then there's the HTTP US Zoom, whatever. Um, so make sure that you join with a name that I'll recognize from the chat. So that way I can admit you because I'm not just going to put random people under the panel. So we have a bunch of other questions that in the meantime, while we wait for somebody to join, uh, Potent Ponics actually already jumped in and I saved a question for when he gets here. So somebody asked- address something real quick and yeah, yeah, 
I don't have it. I don't. I can't find it again. But somebody was uh, saying how uh, it was expensive to order uh, predators from Copert. It was. I think they said something like seventy dollars for one single thing. Yeah, for one single thing. And that's this is where gets. If you have any friends that are also growers, you just um, this is what we've done up here in Michigan. Is we've got some friends for the bro show, and we. Uh, call it the, the bug group or whatever and about once a month or so uh baked shout out to Bakes who's running it he'll put an order in for bugs and anybody who wants something says something and that way it's way cheaper because they only got to send one box when you only got to pay for shipping one time but you get enough for everybody even just one other person that cuts it from 70 to 35 I had to mute you, dog doctor. Your mic was open there when you joined us, but, but uh, Potent Ponics also joined. So I wanted to pass you a question that I've actually been saving because I saw you in the chat and somebody asked earlier about molybdenum toxicity. Um, they said, Keystone Cops asks at Potent Ponics, I have a question about molybdenum toxicity to elicit anthocyanin. And I've heard you talk a little bit about that in the past. So maybe you could just uh, give us a little refresher. Um, you might even mention it earlier in the chat, but for the uh, podcast people out there. So um, if you're trying to get the most purple and the most color out of your plants, uh, the, the cannabis plant will actually, if it has the genetic potential to do so, it's not going to make a non-purple plant purple, but if it has the genes for it, um, it'll actually bind up some of the extra molybdenum uh, with anthocyanin. It'll produce extra anthocyanin to help lock out some of the, and bind up some of that molybdenum inside of the plant. Um, so you can dose it at like uh, 0.1, 0.2, or even 0.5 parts per million uh, and, and really slam it to like overexpress that, that kind of safety mechanism in the plant. Um, you know, I wouldn't go past one part per million, but, you know, oftentimes people talk about it as 0.05 or 0 0.03, that's way too low for cannabis. And the, the, the two things that are just completely, in my opinion, taught just absolutely asinine wrong when it comes to hydroponics in particular, and to a lesser extent soil uh, for cannabis exclusively, and honestly, to a lesser extent, red crops in general, uh, is that molybdenum, if you want to have that color and that sales appeal, you need to boost it. And, and the same thing, if you want to slam your THC numbers, your manganese also needs to be, you know, slightly in excess as well. Uh, not grossly in excess, but, you know, normally people recommend 0.5 or 0.6 parts per million for manganese, you know, maybe make it 0.8. Your 0.9, right? Just to make sure that you're getting that maximum expression of THC. Um, you, I've actually seen this too, where uh, we had this issue in Zimbabwe where the, the, the tobacco growers put too much manganese. So our manganese was like 300 parts per million, uh, 400 parts per million in some of the fields. And we were getting super high THC levels on CBD cultivars that you know traditionally had not expressed that much THC uh, because of that um, you know, high level of manganese. So uh, make sure your manganese and molybdenum are just, you know, very slightly in excess, maybe 25 to 75% above what is normally recommended. And you'll end up having significantly better sales appeal out of your buds. How do you source those raw or do you get them in some sort of amendment? Sure. Well, uh, uh, full disclosure, I do have a, a nutrient site for, for fish safe stuff called apmjnutes.com. You can get it there by the pound or in four pounds at a time or a couple ounces at a time if you want to, or you can get it through Alpha Chemical on Amazon or any of the other uh, companies. You also can get it at both of those in OMRI sort of certified sources. So sodium molybdenate can be sourced organically. So can uh, manganese sulfate. So both of those can be, you know, sourced um, in, you know, organic or non-organic forms, depending on what you want to do. I appreciate the full rundown there. Uh, 
I, I encourage people to, if they want to support you by going through your uh, site, he's a great guy. He puts out tons of fucking free material and has helped lots of people for many years with uh, aquaponics and just growing cannabis in general. So we're happy to have you back on this panel, but I also want to give a second to welcome the dog doctor. Cheers, dog doctor. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. Sorry about the sound interesting. I was disconnecting everything and suddenly apologize. How's everything going with everybody? Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure as always. We're doing good. We're just kind of like rapid fire. I, in the title, even wrote like answering questions from the chat. That's one of my favorite things to do because then if people complain like, hey, uh, you guys are talking about stuff that we don't want to hear about. It's like you guys ask the question. So we're giving you what you want. You know, we're giving you exactly what you want because it's so easy for us to just like go off on and wax poetic about, I don't know, breeding or like our favorite ways to cut clones or transplant or whatever. And maybe that's good for some of the people that need the basics still. And we could do a rundown show if people still want that. But um, I think it's best to meet the people where they're at and answering the questions directly from the chat. It helps more people than just the person who answered the question. And we end up going into sad conversations anyway. So it offers us a, a great bit of dialogue. I, I actually I have one, not, it's not a question, but uh, one team to talk. I defoliated today and uh, I normally lower my lights from hundred to 80%. So I do it for a couple of hours, like five hours, something like this. And I put it back to normal. I was wondering how long do you guys, if you guys dim them, dim them out at all, or if you just leave them uh, the same after defoliation. I don't spray with lights on personally, but um, I know oh, a lot of people. after defoliation. Defoliating? Yeah, after defoliating, do you dim? Uh, you can't turn this. You can't turn the sun down, bud. So I'd say you don't even need to. Is the thought because there's like less leaf that can photosynthesize? If, that you if need your plants, leaf? if your plants like it better with the lights dimmed down, they probably would have liked it even with their leaves on with the lights turned down. Oh, yeah. okay. No, they were pretty happy. Keep it up, up then. Keep the yeah. lights up. I'd say. Yeah, Usually I would say at, some products are like you know plants can be sensitive if like the lights are really strong or or if you have something like that happening, but um, not in all cases. Okay. Usually, usually in my experience after a leaf strip and we don't dim our lights, they are praying hard after a leaf strip almost every time. And I always say the water pressure in the plant has not enough leaves to, to get rid of all the water that the roots are taking up. You, you yeah, keep, that's you, a good point. You, you I keep agree with the that, hose. Fair enough. I water them after the foliation, but uh, from down a little bit to help. Since they are not uh, getting food, uh, this is the ones eating the food that is in the soil. This maybe helped them a little bit. I think it look all right. I mean, I wouldn't say that there's anything like drastically uh, terrible going on over there. Hey, Doc, are those the ones with the pellets for nutrients? Yes, sir, they are. Those are the ones yeah, that, that we topped. That's the reason why I uh, feed them a little bit today. Yeah, they may take a little longer to recoup considering what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wanted to give the shout out that uh, we co I copied earlier, or actually Spartan copied it earlier from Potent Ponics. Uh, it says, if you're in OKC, which is Oklahoma City, I believe, come by Guyette's Friday, 420 to 720. Uh, Brandon Rust will be there, as well as Jordan River of the Growcast will be there. So check that out. Nice. Damn, that's an hour from me, I I gotta go. 
I have some, uh, I'm going to be giving out some beans too. So. Good stuff. And L. Roy. When, uh, oh, sorry. When is it? What? Friday, January 21st, um, 420 to 720. We'll probably stay a little bit later, but. Right on. Yeah, I'll have to make it out there. So we have a uh, question from L. Roy Boy earlier. He said, recommended or recommend a good source of fulvic. Well, this is, I'm going to just read it exactly as it's written. Recommend a good source, soluble fulvic source. I can run through drippers. Been using bioag full power, but at recommend 30 milliliter gallon, it's a little pricey. Thanks. So I'm curious if anybody has any recommendations for. Uh, My recommendation is it's pricey because it's worth it. Yeah, they're real pressing. <laughs> there's no cheap good fulvic out there, and fulvic like it just it's a not a cheap thing to manufacture. I was gonna say if it's cheap, I'd worry that it's dirty. About it. and, yeah, and I agree with that. And that's the best reputation that there is. The bioag, it's really based in uh, the guy has been studying it his whole life. So I would venture to say it probably is worth the money. Puffy Grows asks me, do you give any validity to using the moon phase for planting seeds or taking clones? I used to think it was kind of hokey pokey, um, you know, bro science -y. I read that in the Farmer's Almanac, which I actually thought was like a very legitimate source. But some people have come to tell me since then that it's kind of like a bro science -y catalog of sorts. But I like the Farmer's Almanac and I've gotten like good IPM tips from there, like how to get rid of ants with uh, peppermint, cinnamon and a little bit of alcohol. But the seed planting thing, going back to that. Every time I've planted on a full moon, I've gotten 100% germination rate. Tried the new moon thing, got like, I would say closer to 60%. So I think full moon maybe is better and it could just be my luck. Uh, popping the F2 seeds that were older, those didn't have great germination rate, but my F3, I had 100% on that on a new moon. But I necessarily, I've seen people get 100% germination regardless of moon phase. So it could just be, uh, you know, those seeds right. and popping techniques. I think there's something to it because I've heard more than one anecdotal story of people that take massive amounts of clones and they swear that during certain times of the moon, the cuts actually do qu quicker by days, not just, you know, a day or two. It's like every single cycle, they could see it at a certain time. It, it does, it, they root quicker. But if there's millennia farming and the people were doing stuff by moonlight because they could see that could actually make a difference i could see that being a thing but i don't know firsthand and i don't have any backing uh super science to uh i can down talk some of my old bro science i used to um, say well full moon it brings more of the water up to the surface of the soil right and then that would make it more likely to have germination but then i looked into it moon phase does not actually impact the tides so the moon phase is not necessarily related to the tides and necessarily right. like the water so there are different times that there'd be more water being pulled to the surface of the soil or not depending on like how close or far the moon is regardless of the i thought part of that phenomenon was from people like in like a harvest moon because they had the moonlight they could use so you like, had to work on it yeah, yeah i don't know who knows that makes sense too but i mean yeah. like who knows maybe there is some sort of natural cycles and rhythms like if you look at like the fibonacci sequence and then you look at like the spirals of like a sunflower some patterns in nature do seem to reveal themselves weirdly i can just tell you from my commercial experience and i'm not the guy that does the clones anymore but i still talk to the guy that does the clones now and it seems like it's just cultivar dependent and that's it like either it clones well or it doesn't clone well 
that's my experience as well. I, I've tried to mess with the moon phases with cloning and didn't find any, any um, increase in rooting. But there's so many variables. You didn't have like enough this. crystals around. Yeah. Was the problem. You didn't charge your crystals first. <laughs> yeah, the moon. didn't charge them. That, what does that mean, by the way? You have to putting put them under a full moon charges the crystal. Yeah, and he's talking about he's talking about he's talking about salt crystals. You don't even fuck with those. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Not that oh, kind I don't of crystals. Fuck with those no, those crystals are here. bad. What for up, some Smot? Reason. Cheers, Smot Poker. We haven't even said hello. You've been in here chilling. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Sundays and Confused was always good. Hello, hello. I got uh, me and my wife are sitting here listening like always, and we got a couple of joints rolled up. So we saw the invite. We wanted to jump on, say hello. And uh, I actually have a tricot I wanted to show everybody. I'm, I'm sure some of you might have saw it, but uh, I'll get it here in a minute and maybe put it up to the to the camera there but i don't want to interrupt go ahead and keep going with what you're doing there and thanks okay. for having me Dad. a perfect way to transition though and introduce you uh while you're talking about the tricot and if you do want to go get it you can but if not we can just chit chat um sour diesel tangy asks what's the preferred ppf for early veg veg early flower and flower so i'm curious um smart i know that you use uh ppfd meter I think they meant ppfd because ppf is like the total amount of light put out by a unit but ppfd is like the spot or whatever but uh, what would you use ppfd wise for veg early veg flower and late flower um i start my i start mine out on like uh 250 micromoles when they first open up and uh then i try to up the increments by about 100 micromoles of density for every node and right like right now these are at four nodes i'm at 500 micromoles uh some i think one was reading like 470 one was at like 520 but uh i feel that's pretty safe and then like when we do a topping or something i'll back it off a little bit and dim it down or if uh if i do a pot up whether it shows stress or not i'll back it off just a little bit uh just because it makes me sleep a little better at night you know and uh <laughs> I'll say this, yours are much stouter and further along than mine. I half plant my solo cup and I only run like 180 PPF, so or PPFD, and they're only on like the second or third set of leaves. It's also pretty cold here, but um, I haven't been keeping the heat up where it should be. But I definitely can see yours are further developed. And I think maybe more media and more light are a good cause for why that could be. Even yeah, maybe just a different media being in cocoa water, versus soil. These get watered twice a day. We drop these midnight, uh, New Year's Eve midnight with uh, Doc Coco and everybody else. And uh, this is the the tricot. It actually has, I don't know if, how good you guys can see with this crappy phone, but uh, there's actually three nodes coming off. And these are Amy Aces. Shout out to Tal, my man Tal. I won these seeds here on this show by being one of the first three people to comment and chat one day. And uh I was pretty proud of that. Wanted to run them out. We got the sex test from Farmer Freeman's. We're going to take a, they're actually way bigger than they need to be. I kind of slept on that. Now we got a snowstorm. And then tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. So it looks like I'm going to be postponed for a few more days and they're really starting to take off. So I guess it'll be pot up time first, maybe. And, uh, but yeah, that's what's going on, man. They're doing good. They're living. I hope they're looking good. Least, I hope so at least nice. two of them are females, man. Does anybody else measure their PPFD in different stages of the grow, or do you guys just kind of go for it? I just got a Pulse Pro, but can I just say Pulse Pro? I don't know if anybody's gotten one. 
I'll just tell you, you have to have a Wi-Fi connection and I'm in the middle of nowhere and I don't have Wi-Fi. So I got satellite internet showing up tomorrow so I can connect to it. But their technical support has sucked. Absolutely been disappointing. I actually, I was like, I'm going to talk about that tonight because fuck them. And it's pissed me off. I mean, I really want to use this product, but I can't get somebody on the phone. So Paul's pro rep, ATG Acres here, hit me up, return my phone call. You know, when every time you mention that you're bootstrapping yourself, uh, it always reminds me of the reason why that phrase is so funny is because you can't actually, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> so it's even that much more impressive that uh, <laughs> you're actually doing it here. So, yeah, help a guy out. Give him some How laces. How to... dare you, sir? I, <laughs> I pull myself up from my bootstraps every day. I wonder now I'm going to try it. Is that really phys- it's physically impossible? So, in the snow. That's my understanding. Uphill. In both ways. Both ways. <laughs> both ways. <laughs> you can, if you're hanging upside down, you could do it. Mitch Hedberg has a joke where he says, I like to wear a necklace. That way I know when I'm upside down. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> hey, Jack, just for some reference there, that, that light is the Photon Tech. 465 watts. So there's two bars running right now. They're 93 watts each. I got them on 100%. So that's uh, what, 180 watts at 100%. And pretty much anywhere underneath it there, you'll get like 500 across the middle where those are. So uh, and that's a good way to these, those, I think you might be able to see some of them other bars laying on the floor over there before. Um, but uh, it's a good way, this like that way I could just add bars as I go. And then with that meter, it makes it real easy for me to be able to uh, use the perfect amount of electricity, what I need, no more, no less, you know. Do you think maybe you could hang the fixture lower and get away with running a lower, like dimmed? And because like I run a HLG 65 watt, I think for my veg space and I have it dimmed um, and I can definitely get the PPF up pretty high, like for being in solo cups and only having a handful of plants. Like I've actually got more plants than you right now and uh, less light going, but like I said, yours are further along. So shit, you're doing something right. And I need to clearly get mine kicking. So, um, well, there's a lot of wasted space under there. You're right. And, uh, I I'd like to remedy that, but yeah, it's a whole different story there. I got another tent here that'll be firing up with a fluence light. We have a fluence light too, but well, my laws um, here are a lot more uh, forgiving if I have more plants too. So <laughs> it did yeah. be, you know, put off by the fact that you're growing. I think growing even just one there is amazing. So cheers to you for that and showing off and coming onto the shows and uh, being part of the community. We're happy thank to have you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I think you're really spot on for like, that's what I like to run in veg, like a 500 and then in flower, um, I'll get up to a thousand, like at my highest points. Um, usually like during, I'd say early stretch, I'd get like seven to 800, 900, and early flower, like a thousand from like week three to week, maybe five or six. And then I start dialing it back to the, you know, between six and 800 to finish it off. Um, as far as my PPFD for sour diesel tangent, you asked earlier. And, um, does anybody else have PPFD measurements that they like to go off of potent or, uh, anybody else? I go, I do the same more or less. I try to get to when I change it to flower to be around five or 600 PPFD. And then I increase it, but, uh, I go as high as they can take it. If I see that they are starting to to bend the the leaves down, I decrease the the PPFT. Otherwise, I just keep them going. If the light gives me 1.2, 1.3, 
I go with it. If they can take it, uh, uh, I go with it. But then the last uh, three weeks, more or less, I start taking them down like 10%. And uh, day by day, I go there and I go little by little. On the troll master, I can do it actually 1%, 2% a day. And I do that uh, until the end of the, the cycle. I totally uh, forgot to mention that I told I am with you on listening to the plants. If you start to see they're stressed, like they're yellowing the fuck out or they're, they're bending or tacoing up um, yeah. and just not responding well to the increased light, slow it down, dial it back, raise the light, do something different. You know, just don't like force <laughs> your light. On the it's plant. usually the first thing I do. And the first thing I suggest other people do for like 98% of the problems. <laughs> I'm like, dim your light. Dim your light and wait a day. Put, yeah, it puts less demand on the plant as far as like what nutrient it needs and um, just trying to process all that photosynthesis when there's so much light on it. It's it's basically trying to like run full throttle. And if you're not giving it everything that it wants, the right temperature, right humidity, right nutrients, right water, air, it has to be dialed in. So taking a little bit of that pressure, it's like taking some of the weight off the plant technically. And it like makes it work a little bit easier, I feel like. Uh, not to anthropomorphize too much. We were talking about how earlier that's not necessarily the best thing to do. But um, I think it helps some people to. It can be a good teaching aid. Don't get me wrong. You know, I even do it myself and I engage with it. But I try to be. uh, I try to say the the actual thing, too. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Coming from a foundation of science is always better, for sure. And I I think that um, overclocking plants without adequate environmental conditions is something most scientists would agree is not going to result in the best, happiest plant. That's. That's basically what the post guys are saying, how they go as far as 1500 uh, PFD stuff. And they say, just as long as you have everything else in line, that's how you can achieve the, the, what they. They're running like a thousand CO2 and they're making sure the temperature is proper. They said you need elevated CO2 and you need to have everything else dialed in. And that's part of their program. That's what the science says. That's what the science says. If you look at the. They'll uh, come to your you know, place and make sure everything's in check. So, yeah. I find in my setup right around 900 in flower works perfect for me. I see perfect growth, but this time I I had a couple colas at around 1100 and they seem to do all right too. So I guess, uh, you know, 1100 is not excessive. I don't have a, it depends what you're growing for for my CO2 or anything. So like one of the guys said, Hey, if you're growing for flower, you can run it at one PPFD, but if you're growing for con, it doesn't matter if it's foxtailed the shit out, if it looks bad, as long as the biomass number goes up. So when you look at the yield versus PPFD on cannabis, it basically is a linear line. Like the higher you go, as long as you're able to, even if over 1500 up to 2000, the yield keeps going up. There's just diminishing returns. So you're not going to pump that right. much light for only a little bit more. So right. when you get to a certain point, 1500 is kind of what they've developed as like the sweet spot where if you've got 1500 PPFD and at least 800 PPM of CO2, I think they recommend at least a thousand and then the proper environmental conditions you can get away with running those levels of light and it will increase your yield. But that being said, maybe it's going to be foxtailed. Maybe it's not going to be as pretty. Maybe you're going to have some yellow crispy leaves, but if you get everything dialed in, I do personally believe, and I've seen in my own garden, when I run higher PPFD, you can increase yields, but it's going to change how the flower looks your ultimate product so like if you're just going to blast it or wash it you want foxtailed buds uh we've talked about this in the past but like if you think about dipping your hand in a bowl of sugar you're gonna get more sugar on your fingers if you have your fingers all spread out than if you do in a fist 
your fist is, has, has less surface area. So a nug that's like a fist has less trichome coverage on it. So when you're washing it, it is harder to wash. You're going to get lower returns. So I think that running higher PPFD, getting foxtailed buds, isn't necessarily a bad thing for people that are making it all into concentrate. It makes sense. Um, you know, and it also makes sense that you were, were, we should be talking about like an ideal situation, right? Cause you're talking about the maximal, the most possible, you know, so that's of course going to require us to maximize all the, you know, some of that part, but, uh, and I wish uh, Dr. MJ was here because I think he understands it better than I do, but, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a drop-off point. Um, you know, there's like a maximal amount that, uh, of light that can be uh, photosynthesized. There's a, I think a, it's a pretty a, similar a across pr- plants, right? There's a theorized yeah. DLI, but like corn goes up to like 60 and cannabis is not being pushed that hard. Very few mm. places get that much sun in nature. That's like full sun and like the best places will get like 40 to like 50 DLI. Like maybe 60 is like the highest and don't quote me on that necessarily, but there are um, studies that are showing, I haven't seen it. Normally it's like a bell curve, right? So like you go up, your PPFD has its point and then it starts to drop off, right? But with this, what all the studies I've seen, the higher the PPF goes up, the more the yield is. But I think that there's huge sacrifices in maybe cannabinoids and terpenes as well. Mm. If you're going to get too hot or if you're running uh, too much PPFD for the plant to process and, and handle properly, like we see a lot of the red yeah. streaking and other the issues wind. that might not necessarily lead to a higher yield. It's all about dialing it in for sure. And like a little higher PPD. The other thing that people got really upset was they included like their trim in some of the weights, but they also separated out like a bud, B bud, C bud and trim. But they said, Uh, the reason we're including trim is anything that tests over 10%, which they use to make concentrate, they're vertically integrated. So they send their trim off to be blasted and processed for like vape carts and things like that. So for them, that's money-making yield. So like, why wouldn't they include that? But no, it makes sense, but people aren't talking about it like that so and they, they shared the number that i talked about earlier like the six or seven pounds or whatever didn't include the trim but when they talk about like their totals they broke it down and said like for us we're actually getting this value out of the product because this is how we use it we take anything that tests over 10 percent and we take that to our processing facility that's in valid. vegas you can be ver- vertically integrated and so it just makes sense anything that tests higher than that you use so that's part of your right. yield even here in michigan we still we send our trim to a processor as well that's where most of our concentrate is, comes from. We don't send, well, we do send some nug runs. We make collabor- collaborations and shit, but normally most of our concentrates is going to be from our trim. I process everything I have. I do arzol, I do extractions, I do everything I can. Same with oh, you. I try to plant. These are yeah. nice spears there, Oki. Oki, you're yeah. back. I remember this Oki's is a, ID. don't even tell me, this is a black lime reserve cross to uh, the, Autoflower Russian, isn't it? Or something like that? Close. It's the uh, Siberian Gorilla Mac. That's the GG4 and Mac 1 to the Siberian Land Race. Damn. Dude, those are some spears. Definitely. How old are these plants? (laughs) How old are these plants? This is day 49. Okay. That's week seven. Damn. For those that aren't going to know, seven times they look like they got another. They look like they got another fifty days to go. I was just going to say another forty-nine. (laughs) Another (laughs) forty-nine. Damn, dude, those are going to be some fucking. Those are going to be some fucking donkers when they're done. If you if they get filled out like the way they're looking. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'd start well, running eleven thirteen if you're not that's in here. There's some big old one. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's Jack. not twelve twelve. Go eleven thirteen. Shit, that, I'm, I'm just gonna throw um, that out there. Yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> do it. Well, see, down here's the other pheno. There's two of them in here. One of them just overgrew the other one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look yeah, at that. That's one. the other pheno <laughs> in here. So that's telling me that Mary. the top is getting too much PPFD. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I think that the top is not. Gonna oh yeah. Finish oh, up. Oh yeah. Because... These up here are getting um definitely bleached. <laughs> And you're going to see a lot of white hairs that it wants to almost re-veg. It gets so much PPFD that it wants to keep growing. And while it's in flower, instead of vegging, it's just going to keep flowering and giving you white pistols and white pistols and white pistols. So dimming or going down to the 1113, I think will allow that top to start finishing more like those shoulder or like lower nugs. I would normally call it a shoulder, but damn, that's like a a giraffe neck shoulder, you know, freaking way down there, that orange one. Damn, that's this one didn't spear out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Aim for that kind of structure there that you got going on at the top. Um, you know, but you kind of sacrifice your tops when you when you do that. When you do this, you know, when you have really tall plants and you want you want eighty percent of your garden to do well, but you're like fuck fuck the top five percent. I've been there in my closet and had to do that. It'll wash mine too. And then I've got this other one that. Uh, way over watered it got all crispy yeah i'm wondering should i just cut this out like it's all and it hasn't grown at all in probably three weeks it hasn't shown i'd put it in darkness any more for like i'd put it in darkness for 48 hours and then see if it finishes at He's all not gonna be and probably pull that out way, of that call it yeah, this is my little. I mean, I'm just yeah, gonna cut it out if I need to. <laughs> it looks like because it's kind of outside. That out. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in its yeah. own pot, but I don't I definitely have pull those else leaves off. <laughs> if nothing else, I'd pull off those All decaying these crispy leaves. ones. Yeah. Like when you're out on the show and you got two hands and you can support what? the plant, just pluck, yeah. pluck, pluck. Where are you at? What week are you on? Five. Uh, seven. 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 This one yeah, is. Oh, yeah, this one's seven too. Yeah, they're all same. Yeah, I would cut all that. This shit one off. just got yeah. Everything below that top net, I would cut the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Or should I just take the whole plant out? <laughs> oh, I would cut everything off from the. Give it a chance when you would get that shit off the yeah. bottom, so it doesn't have to try to fucking fix that. You just take it all yeah. off, then it'll just heal up and do everything it can up top. We'll see what happens. No let it right. dedicate its energy to finishing those top nugs for sure, and and clean up some of those uh, dead leaves because they're not going to do anything more just, for the plant at this point yeah that's a good point and it, you know the worst it's going to do is just sit down there and pick up whatever leftover ppfds are making mm-hmm. it through your upper canopy uh-oh she cut out <laughs> i went back to gallery but uh i don't know who we're talking about i think potent ponics might have cut out it looks like he's frozen i'm here Oh no! Okay, <laughs> you're just very statuesque. You're like frozen in time. I cut out, I think, but it's all good. I, I'm on, you know, I'm in the middle of nowhere, so no surprise if, if you lose me. Smiley had a question earlier for Doctor MJ, but I'm just gonna throw it out there, even though he's not here, because it's kind of a curious one. He said, uh, "Can spectrum distribution of the PPFD matter to how much is target, or does it that affect the maximum?" And he follows up by saying, "Because it seems like the B specs need to run lower watt." Than the normal white 
seems like if you add blues, you also need to add a balancing of a certain amount of red, just as thoughts. So I'm curious if anybody has any ideas about that. And everyone's kind of moved away from the blurples and the multi-diode lights yeah. with a couple of exceptions. But so B-Spec, you talk about like a mostly white LED from HLG that has some blue bumps on the spectrum. Blue, yeah. blue diodes in there. And I, I run like a 4K even, which is a bluer white diode. And I notice, like you were saying, uh, I can just run less of it or it just keeps the plant squattier. So it's like a different kind of effect on the plant if you're not using the reds. So it's not what you're typically used to with some other lighting types, T5s, LEDs, whatever uh, you're using. I don't know. It really depends. I mean, seemingly spectrum can have some effects and there's research that shows that I mean, we were talking about some, you know, several weeks ago, but at the same time, I don't, you know, kind of like what Dr. MJ says too, I, I sort of have a similar feeling like, um, you know, how much is that worth? And the whole, also how are you confirming that you're getting a beneficial effect in the first place? Because, because, you know, like, uh, it might, it might be kind of a, um, it might be very inconsistent, you know, and if you spend like a bunch of money to like add that spectra and I know from a physiological perspective, right. Like there are different, um, you know, wavelengths that are interacting with different, uh, you know, um, receptive parts of the, the, in the chlorophyll. Right. So I actually don't understand it in a, in a perfect way, but, um, there are different spectra that are sensitive to different uh, wavelengths. So there's this sort of a, a chemical reaction that happens from the, the physical motion of the pro of the um, photons. So, yeah, I mean, if they have enough of capacity, but I don't know, I think that's kind of gets back to what we were saying before about like, if you have like a massive amount of PPFD, like even if you're maximizing everything, there should be a physiological limit. To, to my understanding. And also you mentioned corn, um, uh, but I don't think, uh, I'm not sure if corn has the same, <laughs> this is a, you well, know, just, a, has a, gra been... a grass versus a woody plant, you know, they have very different oh, physiology. Yeah. Well, and it might even be a C4 versus a C3. So yeah. But has but, there been any research at all as far as like, as far as say, for example, I'm just making this shit up. I'm not saying this is a fact, but say for example, fucking, green light fucking activated something in a chloroplast whereas a yellow light would activate something in another organelle of some sort and you know what i mean we do know with like the red light that there's like certain things mm -hmm. like putting it to sleep right the far red flowering initiation and, and it basically waking it up putting the plant to sleep i pulled up the mccree curve which says the average plant response which this has kind of been debated a little bit but the initial idea behind blurples is if you look at this curve, you see blue is a little bit higher and red is definitely higher. So they used a lot of blue diodes and a lot of red diodes. Dr. MJ has also talked about how those were the cheapest and most available diodes or whatever, but for whatever it's worth, um, I think that the overall like white spectrums tend to grow the best plants like the sun or what we're trying to replicate with a more balanced spectrum. But I think to Smiley's point, like if you have a B spec and maybe there's just a bunch of blue and maybe that's a more efficient part of the spectrum. It's driving your plants more, like he was saying. Like maybe it's the same PPF total, but there's a bunch more blue, and that's just driving it a little bit harder than it would be if it was a plain white or something with some more red uh, that balances it out. And I agree with Spartan. There's probably other things going on that we're maybe not aware of that greens and yellows and other things in the spectrum are doing um, that have physiological effects on the plant, 
not just like photosynthesis, but maybe other triggers that are happening. Um, Some like, yeah. animals, even insects have reactions to light um, if you grow them with different spectra, for example. So certainly there are other things that can well, I know there was a, a Michigan State University, shout out to the Spartans. They actually did a, a study on growing plants with just like a single light source of different color. And, you know, you saw the, the traditional things that we all have repeated, I'm sure, about you know, blue light will keep the plant morphologically, you know, the node spacing tighter and it'll um, branch out more. If you have red, it'll elongate the shoots, things like that. We know that, but I'm just wondering, like, is there actual, like, I don't know, has there been any studies that show, like, what it, it, what's making those happen? What's making that the case? Why does the red make the plant stretch? Well, they have a theory for um, I know there's a shade, there's a shade tol- yeah, shade tolerance syndrome or shade avoidance syndrome. So, so when they're the red- underneath the canopy, yeah, red doesn't penetrate as well. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. You understood it, obviously. I um, was reading, I was trying to find a bug bee study that talked about yield as far as like uh, total uh, photon versus yields. But the red light thing, like we were just talking about several plants do this, actually not just cannabis. Like we've kind of mentioned, cannabis isn't necessarily always unique in that under canopy plants when they are in shade, i.e. being given more of a far red light, they believe they're in shade because that's what is able to come through um, typically in those situations. So in nature, that causes an effect of it to start stretching to try and be able to get better quality, higher amount of light and different spectrum. I believe that's called the transmittance effect. So the light hits the top of the canopy and only so much of it's filtered through and all the reds go through, I believe it is. And as you're saying, it tries to, everything tries to climb up and get a better, a better view. I think we saw a similar thing with IR as well, which I think was also a Bruce Bugby report, I think. Um, And of course, like, and I think when they, if I remember correctly, uh, the amount that they used it's like a, a, a supernatural amount, right? An amount that's more than they would be exposed to under natural conditions. Uh, mm. But it was interesting because it was a way that they could show that there was a response. Um, and of course, IR is right next to there with red. So we ran a side by, we did a side by side with a 400 watt uh, black dog. Actually, Fish Ganja Guy did the side by side. Shout out to Fish Ganja Guy. Um, but he did a 400 watt to 400 watt black dog to spectrum king comparison and the black dog had that infrared and far red and the spectrum king did not and it actually came up three percent higher on the spectrum king for thc and 2.7 percent higher in cbn uh, on the black dog and what we attributed that to is extra extra heat in those trichome heads from that ir basically slightly changing those trichome temperatures. You could see it with the laser pen, you know, same height and everything, trying to keep everything as equal as possible. Um, there was a 3% difference in THC, which is, you know, that can be a big deal depending on, on what you're doing. So the heat is, is converting IR, the THC wait, to CBN? The IR is hotter? Yeah. Infrared so produces heat. Yeah, the, right, the IR so th- and the far red are, are made the leaf surface hotter at the same height compared to the, the SK. And it, it created that that you know difference in CBN and THC. Is it? Well, so can you walk me through that? So is it the production of the IR, the IR so, that makes so the it more that, heat, or is it the IR that's literally like so what's causing creates, what's transferring the heat? CBN through to heat or oxidation, right? So um, those they're heating those trichome heads up a little bit more on the on the the lights that have that. Is the red light higher energy or no? 
Uh, no, they're exactly the same wattage, exactly the same output. So no, 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 no. The red light versus the IR spectrum frequency, oh, I, right? Because we're talking about frequencies. So it's closer to you heat. Said Matthew, the IR... Above 800 produces heat. So once you get to 800, the heat begins. So it's no longer visible or usable light. Above 800, it's like a heat lamp. What you put your food underneath is like 800 and above nanometers. Right, right. There's a lot more. He has a lot of info on that. You can actually go back and check out that episode. It was one of our 420 episodes or right after a 420 episode early on. It's like episode 100 or right around 100, something like that. Uh, I just wanted to sh share the Bugby research that I had quoted earlier. Oh, I just made it full screen so I can't see anything. Sorry, Aaron, you're this cutting out pretty badly, bud. strikes me as significant because see. We can hear you now. Just real quick. Never mind. Go ahead, Aaron. It, it just uh, it cut in and out. You were like roboting for a second, but we can, we can hear you now. I don't think we can. There's a lag anyway. I think when I talk, it takes her for, for me to hear you and for you to hear me. Yeah. I'm going to drop out of here, guys. Um, I don't know if you can hear me, but um, reception's so bad that uh, I'm just going to I'm going to get out of here. It was really good seeing you. If you can hear me, uh, really good hearing you. And uh, love and miss y'all dearly. We'll talk really soon. ATGacres.com. ATGacres on Instagram. I am Aaron the Grower. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Aaron. Good, for out, us. good to see you. Thank you. See you. Appreciate it. So good to talk to you today, Aaron. Very, very happy that you were able to join in Spartan. I want to maybe give you a, a chance to jump out unless you want to maybe hear about this really quickly because I, I mentioned the yield thing earlier with Bugby and how they just increased. Here's the DLI, 60 DLI. Trump is one of the strains, but I think cherry, um, you can see it just yield uh, average grams per meter squared, a thousand. It never goes down. So they continue to increase the DLI. 60 is like, I think they quote up here, like uh, 1100, 1500 PPFD. It's extremely high, yeah. but there's never, they, they haven't in my experience, I haven't seen a study that shows where it goes up to a point and then drops off from being too much. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure if you give it a hundred DLI or something like that, it's not gonna be able to handle it. But this was just a interesting piece of information. I guess I'll go a little more into detail after I let Spartan give his final thoughts and shout out. I was going to say what also is weird is that you have, um, uh, there was a group I was working with in LA and they were doing these grow chambers where they were doing hyper elevated CO2. So CO2 at like 5,000 parts per million or, or even higher um, in, in these test chambers. And what happens is when they had the lighting super, super, super cranked on the PPFD and they had the CO2 super, super, super cranked, it made the plants turn into um, uh, like the freak show, right? The plants actually reduced the physical area of the leaf because they didn't need to have it anymore to be fully efficient. So they reverted nice. back to like this fern looking state. It was really bizarre. Um, was the I probably bud the same though? Talk too much on that because I'm NDA on it, but I can at least talk on the morphology without getting myself into trouble. It was really weird. And just one of the more bizarre things I've seen where you had high light, high CO2, and it literally changed the morphology of the leaf structure um, uh, that was perfectly normal before that or in the controls as well, it was perfectly normally shaped. Uh, but in this, the test chambers above 5,000 uh, PPMs, it was these crazy like fern looking plants that didn't even look like weed. Wow. I have a, a pheno of the velvet punch that ends up looking like that, but I'll pass it over to Spartan Growing and uh, let you get your final thoughts and shout outs because I know you got to be over at the Michigan Bros Grow yeah. Show in about 14 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, appreciate <laughs> it, guys. It was awesome hanging out today. It's awesome having Aaron jump in. Everybody jump in. It's cool to see everybody. It feels like it's been a long time. I don't know why. So, uh, but cheers, chat. It was awesome hanging with you. And uh, I'm going to be in the Michigan Bros Grow Show here coming up in just a few minutes. So, 
I'm gonna run and go to the bathroom. Let these dogs go to the bathroom, and uh, we'll see you guys over there. Fuck the MCMA. Fuck the MCMA. <laughs> Peace out, Spartan. <laughs> Fuck the MCMA, indeed. Cheers, Spartan Grown. Always a pleasure to have you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, he's gone now, but definitely make sure to support Michigan Bros Grow Show. I'm gonna reshare the screen here in just a second, and I think this will be maybe a good little final topic to talk about. Uh, this study that I looked at, it, it's using. Uh, we talked about Bruce Bugby. I believe he's a pretty legit cannabis researcher. It says the trial data is from Dr. Bruce Bugby, Utah State Apogee Instruments, maximizing cannabis yields with Bruce Bugby, March 23rd, 2020. So this isn't just like some, we pulled this data out of our ass. Granted, it is sponsored by Mammoth Lighting and they're looking at it, comparing it to HPS, but um, it's interesting. And this is just kind of what I talked about, what I've seen. If you can get the plants to accept that higher PPF, getting to that 60 DLI, which is that 1500 PPFD, uh, conversions you're seeing may june july and this is uh eureka california which is humble in the cloud of the sky um you know it, it, it's interesting research i'll share this uh, link in the chat for anybody who wants to look at this more in depth but i think it brings out some interesting questions about how hard can we actually push cannabis because look here's it starts to flatten out all right here we're seeing 2000 ppf and you're not getting that much more or even the same as you are at 1500 so it's a uh, just a very interesting concept. And as grow lights are getting more efficient, these light levels are actually something that we're able to provide to the plants. So it's worth asking, should we push it that hard? What will happen? And uh, do we want that? So you push it that hard, you got to increase the CO2. And the other limiting factor that people have this like strange fear of, and I still don't get it. So plants actually have to have, especially if you're really cranking them, you want to get the, the chlorides up in that 80 to 110 parts per million if you're doing an aqueous, like a hydro solution or something like that, to actually help those plants um, further increase their, their photosynthesis. If, you're, if your chlorides are too low, it'll actually slow down plant growth. We did a bunch of testing on that with aquaponic plants, and it was really kind of eye-opening because people always think of just eliminating all chlorides, and you don't want that. It's not good for the plants. You oh, definitely yeah, want to keep it within manageable levels, but you know, if it's too high or too low, rather, it'll actually impact negatively the, the growth rate. I'd like to hear more about that. I just also wanted to say that for those who are curious, um, you know, I forgot a very important part about IR radiation, which is that it moves through things in a way that light, as we think of it, typically does not. Right. So, so that's the heat that you're talking about. So now I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, Steve, but uh, tell us more about the chlorides and how important, how those are important, because I myself would like to know. Yeah, so we we did a bunch of testing with different, first off, the original test for it was at the aquaponic source. We were doing different types of dechlorinators to kind of see what worked the best against different types of stuff. Um, for aquariums, typically people use sodium thiosulfate. Uh, for brewing, they'll use, um, um, what the fuck is it? Tri something trisulfate which you, you don't want to use for, for cannabis, but uh, we typically use potassium thiosulfate, which is also used in big ag for, for eliminating chlorine and chloramine when they do have to rely on city water, uh, which isn't often, but it does happen sometimes. And uh, uh, that worked really well, but then we noticed that we, we tried running a different test. We ran them at like 40 parts per million, another one at 90, and another one at 120, because the EPA limit is actually 180 parts or 200 parts per million before the EPA cares. Um, but generally at below 180 is considered to be, you know, fish safe and all that stuff. So there was no, and it's not going to wipe out our microbes at that level, uh, depending on what form that chloride's in. So um, we, we did a bunch of testing with tomatoes, lettuce, basil, and what was the other one? Tomatoes, lettuce, basil, and I forget what the other control plant was, but um, we found that that 90 to 110 was the sweet spot 
in terms of growth rate um, and, and you know speed of growth for uh, lettuce harvesting, which is a very quick finishing crop. Lettuce is so interesting in that it's grown so differently than cannabis. Like if it begins to flower, it bolts. And then that's like actually a very undesirable thing for lettuce. And it's just a totally different, you'd have to relearn the whole cultivation practice if you wanted to go from cannabis to lettuce, I think as much as uh, some people call it the devil's lettuce, cannabis is quite different than the vegetative lettuce that we uh, mostly eat. But that said, we've got about nine minutes left. Now, there's about six of us left on the panel. I'm going to give it to the uh, guest panelists first to give their final thoughts and shout outs and where we can find you starting first with uh, in reverse order of what they came in. Smot Poker. Cheers, Smot. Hey, cheers, everybody. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me. It was fun being up here. And uh, you can find me at Coco for Cannabis as Smart Poker. <clears throat> you can find me at YouTube as Smart Poker, and you can find me on Instagram as Real Smart Poker. And shout out to chat. Thanks, Jack, for hosting all the panel members, grower love, and I appreciate all the good talk, and, and I love what I learn here all the time. So. All right. We are happy to have you, Smot, and I'll pass it next <laughs> to uh, Potent Ponix. It seems like he's maybe dealing with his pups in the background, maybe. Yeah, sorry about that. Dog got into the trash can. I didn't realize my mic was unmuted. I apologize. <laughs> um, it's all good. You guys can find me the Growing With Fishes podcast. I was also over on uh, Hash Church today. You can check out that. Um, also, uh, come hang out with me and Brandon. Uh, we'll be over at Guyot's on um, Friday, hanging out with Jordan River. He's hosting an event over there with Growcast. We'll be answering grow questions, handing out seeds, and uh, just having a good time. Uh, and then if you want to check out my class, I also have an apmjclass.com if you want to take an aquaponic cannabis class that's um, very in-depth. <laughs> I'd say probably some of the most, uh, if not the most, in-depth aquaponic cannabis content on the internet. Because just based on your podcast and the amount of uh, experience and, and people that you've talked about and, and with Potponics is just an amazing uh, series and I encourage people to check out that show as well and uh, his website because if you're into aquaponics he's definitely the resource so check him out thank you next up we got the dog doctor thanks for joining us again it was uh, always great to see your garden and happy to have you back from all the way across thank the pond thank you guys for having me all the way from europe in uh, in your little screens uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. Thanks, chat. Thank you, all the panel. Thank you, everybody. It's really, I really appreciate it. It's a great show, great knowledge. It's re really great. I always learn something, and it's really nice to share my knowledge also. Uh, you guys can find me in Instagram as Dog Doctor Official or in the Grow Diaries as Dog Doctor. You can reach me for anything there. I'm always available. Good love to all of you. Don't stop growing. Absolutely. Keep growing like Spartan would say. And before I pass it to my regular panelists, I want to give a reminder because Family Farms just uh, made a comment and it says, I don't know how I wasn't subbed. And um, that happens a lot with like cannabis content or other like content that is suppressed. A lot of times I think they just go through and like mass unsub people. So make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. And uh, if you feel like you enjoyed the show, you can drop a like. It helps get the show out to more people and uh, help us share that good free growing information to keep the cheap home grow alive, overgrow the world, overgrow the planet. It's something that we all kind of believe in here. We want people to be able to have access to the best quality, clean medicine at the lowest price. And most often that's going to be growing yourself or uh, educating somebody in your community to be able to do it for you if you're not physically able. But with that said, I want to pass it to, uh, I'll change it up. 
first this time and go to the American one. Jack, thanks for hosting again. And thanks, Jack, Dr. Houghton and Smack for coming up. It's always good to have guests on. And uh, Matthew, always good to have you here. And everyone in absence, uh, ATG, Dr. Coco, Brandon, Kyle Breida, Noah the Grower. It's always good to see all these guys and everyone in chat. Um, I'm the American one on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore Akeens on the IG. Most of you guys know where to find me. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. The time flew by today for some reason, and it was really good. So uh, everyone have a great week, and we'll catch you on the next one. Time flies when you're having fun, which is a good sign. I think that these chat episodes where we answer questions and uh, have the people come on always seem to be big popular favorites. So I think that that'll be a big portion of what we do moving forward. Like I said, during the show, it is kind of the best way to give the people what they want. You know, they're asking the questions and we're capable of answering them most of the time. And I think we enjoy that and they enjoy that. So why not keep that rolling? Uh, appreciate everybody who came in the chat, asked questions and jumped up on the panel. Thank you, dog doctor. Thank you, smart, uh, potent ponics and anybody else who joined that I may be forgetting. Um, the American one did a great job going around and uh, shouting out all the panel members who aren't here yet, but the one who's still here that I haven't gotten to yet is Matthew Gates. So cheers, Matthew. Yeah, uh, and shout out to the chat for keeping me, and uh, also the panel for keeping me sharp. Talking about that light reminds me that, um, like I was saying earlier, it's very important for me to um, echo that people, uh, you know, it's important that people look at sources for <laughs> claims that people make. And even somebody who you might look at as an expert who knows a lot of things, you know, they can uh, make a mistake, they can remember something incorrectly. There's a lot of stuff that uh, you have to keep into consideration when you're growing plants um, and trying to optimize. So I love that we had this conversation and it, you know, kept me in that frame of space for that particular subject. If you're interested in plant health information, you can get me one of three ways. If you have professional inquiries, you can check me out at zenthanol.com. You can also check me out at YouTube uh, channel Zenthanol. Uh, and you can also check me out on Instagram at SyncAngel. And so I look forward to our mutual success as we head out into the new year. I think we're off to a good start for the most part. And uh, I'm happy to see people still continuing just to work towards their goals and uh, a lot of them achieving them. And if not, they're putting in the work that they need to to get there, which is awesome. And I really appreciate everybody who comes each week, both in the uh, live chat here on YouTube and the panel. It just... Uh, can't be understated how much I appreciate everybody's time and, and dedication to this. I've learned so much throughout this uh, almost three year process. Now we're coming up on three years and just learning from the community, uh, all getting better together. Uh, and I think it's a fairly, you know, community driven thing. And, and that's, what's so beautiful about it. We're all here trying to get better together and, and share what we know and um, ask good questions. And there's just so many great people in this community. I just uh, feel very fortunate to be a small part of it. And I'm thankful to come back each week and uh, get to see so many of these familiar faces. And thank you all for joining. Uh, I'm Jack Greenstock. You can find me at Jack Greenstock on Instagram, Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter, and email me jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com if you're trying to get a hold of me. Uh, with that said, I think we've pretty much wrapped it up. We've got about one or two minutes left, but uh, I'm not going to hold us too late. We usually cut into the Michigan Bros Grow Show, so I'll let you guys go a little bit early. Uh, roll one up, get something ready, and uh, head on over there and support them. And if not, hope you have a great rest of your week and enjoy your evening or morning, wherever you're at, and uh, do something good for somebody. <laughs> have a good one, everybody. Peace and love. Bros love. Peace, bros love.